If you're hearing talk on the Internet, you're listening to TalkZone.com. It's showtime. TalkZone.com. Now, InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. We all live in a technological world with TV, computers, and much more. What would happen if we turned it off for a while? If that idea interests you, InfoTrack's Taryn McCall has the details. Taryn? Thanks, Chris. Anyone ever stuck in a traffic jam, delayed at the airport, or suffering an enormous wait at a fast food drive through probably wonders if there isn't a better way. Our guest today on InfoTrack wondered too, and spent a year living a pared-down life. Eric Brendy is the author of Better Off, Flipping the Switch on Technology, which chronicles his year living off the grid. Eric, welcome to InfoTrack. Thank you. What was the premise of your field experiment? Well, the reason we set out to do this experiment in primitive living, if you would call it that, is that my hypothesis was that all of our modern technology has gotten us to the point where life is actually more difficult than it would be if we had less. That was my hypothesis. But to test that, I wanted to see if by scaling back, indeed, life would be easier and simpler and better. And the only way to do that was to try a hands-on experiment myself. I couldn't really sit in an armchair at MIT and speculate about it. And that's why it was such a stroke of luck that I met this fellow with a big, black, wide-brim hat on, on a bus. And I was able to set up this year-and-a-half stay with him in the community. So they don't necessarily do without all kinds of modern conveniences. Well, actually, there's a broad spectrum of Amish and Old Order Mennonite communities that all have different sets of rules and guidelines with regard to technology. Most Amish and Mennonite groups draw the line at electricity and uh, motor vehicles, but they allow a lot of different kinds of motorized equipment, such as chainsaws, electric pumps, stationary farming equipment. This group did everything either by hand or by horsepower. And when you moved to this community, you had just become married. Yes. And that's a pretty radical change for an individual to take on. How did she deal with this sudden change? Well, at first, she loved the idea of living out in the country. But when I became a little bit clearer about the details, no electricity, no refrigeration, no washing machine, she started to have second thoughts. And in the end, the only way I was able to persuade her to do it was to promise to give her the chance to cast a deciding vote on where we would live after we finished the year and a half in this group. Now, you refer to the group that you chose to live with as Minimites. Is that an official denomination, or is that a term that they or yourself had put on the It was a nickname that I chose because it sounds a little bit like Mennonite, and it also underscores the fact that they were technologically minimal compared to other Mennonite or Amish groups. Talk a little about the life in your community. What was a typical day like? The seasons were always in flux, and neighbors were constantly dropping in and interrupting what we were doing. And that was one of the things I loved about it. As anyone who might dream about, if you have a career where you sit in front of a computer 48 weeks out of the year and do the same thing year in, year out, here every day was different. But having said that, 
There was a common thread, or I should say many common threads weaving together that made the life consistently satisfying, and that was that it always combined exercise, social interaction, you'd be outside working with your neighbors, you'd get your practical end result, the food you were growing, or the cash crop, so you would get the practical work in done for the day. You'd be experiencing nature, you'd feel the breeze, you'd be seeing the clouds go by. So whatever we were doing, it was a many-layered, multi-stranded kind of activity. And that's why I say in the book that every moment held so much more than what we have in modern society, sitting oftentimes in front of a computer. The statistics are that we sit in front of a computer three hours a day, we sit in front of a television set four hours a day, we sit in an automobile two hours a day. And I would wager that that experience is much thinner, much emptier than the kind of face-to-face, full-bodied, many-textured, many-layered experience we had working with our hands with these people. And I should say the neighbors popping in wasn't for a social call. It, it was to help out or to have you help out. So there was meaningful interaction there and things were getting done. Yes, it was a way of combining business and pleasure. One of the other things that I thought was so unusual, not only did you introduce a new wife to this way of living, you had your first child living in this community. Yes, and that was both one of the most terrifying and most glorious moments in our in our whole year there. There was a Minimite midwife that we used, and she was backed up by the local doctor who certified that my wife was suitable for in-home birth. But everything worked out well. And, yes. Uh, it was the high point of my life when my first son was born. You limited your, your field test to 18 months, correct? Um, was this effort a test designed to see if you could do it, or after 18 months did you feel that it had kind of run its course? Well, the whole reason for doing this was to try to determine, as I say in the book, how much technology do we really need to live a full and leisurely life? And is life really better with less technology? And I think we found the answer there in the book. We made some modifications in how the people uh, lived there. If we had continued living with them, we would have made a few changes. And actually, for the most part, we would have probably lived with even a little less technology, a little more in some ways and a little less in some some areas. So how would you apply what you've learned in the field, in this community, to people living in cities today, people with kids that may be a little concerned about all the time they're spending with gadgets? Well, I think the first and foremost thing is to take technology into account and not just take it for granted that these gadgets and labor-saving devices are going to make your life easier and better, make things go faster, and really examine the effects. And I think you really want to focus particularly on what I would call the three big time wasters, money wasters, and labor wasters, the, the automobile, the television set, and the computer. I think there's lots of room here to scale back and maybe even eliminate one or more of these devices. We in our own family do not have a television. We don't have a computer, although I do use a computer for the Internet once in a while at the local library. gives me an excuse to get on my bicycle and get some exercise and maybe look up something or communicate with my publisher, which I have to do. But by limiting the computer to a one- or two-hour segment, as I do at the library, it regulates your use, and you don't end up whiling away endless amounts of time. And then the automobile may be the most challenging one to give up because we often live in places where it's hard to get around without the automobile. 
it's still possible to reduce your dependency on it. We have an automobile in the city. We live in St. Louis. But because we live in a place that's compact and walkable, we can do most of our daily errands on foot or by bicycle. And we have special deep double rear foldable bicycle baskets that each hold a full sack of groceries so we can do all of our grocery shopping and other errands by bike. And it's wonderful. For those times when we need to go longer distances, we will use a car, but it is not something that we spend a whole lot of time doing. So we're really freed up. Well, is it a life you'd recommend for other people to try, or is it probably just as well they maybe try to pare back in their own lives? I hope that people won't construe my book as a pitch to move back to the country, go back to the land, because it's not intended to be that. The experiment we conducted happened to be set in a rural area because that's where these people lived who have really mastered the art of making wise technological choices, and that's why we went there. But to say, you also have to go out and live off the land, no, I wouldn't say that. I think you can make wise choices whether you live in the country or in the city. Eric Brendy, thank you so much for being with us today on InfoTrack. Thank you. The book is called Better Off, Flipping the Switch on Technology. I'm Taryn McCall for InfoTrack. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.